0: For September 29th, 2014, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 326, Becoming the Hater You Hate. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From Los Angeles, I'm Matt Rather. I'm here with Pete Fenzel from Boston. Hey, Pete.
1: Hey Matt, how is it in Los Angeles?
0: Hey, no haters on the podcast, and I'm here with Mark Lee from New York.
2: Yo, yo, yo! Slam! I don't know why I don't want anything. I felt like saying slam. You just got told,
1: Matt. You just got told slam.
0: Whoa! From- Check the negativity, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about haters um we we sometimes look i'm gonna give you a peek behind the curtain of the overthinking a podcast <laughs> sometimes we uh start the podcast we like initiate the skype call and it's like hey how you doing and then we bs for five minutes about the week and and how we're all doing because we're all longtime friends and want to catch up and then it's like what are we going to talk about on the podcast and no one has any idea and so we have a set of things that we do right in the app sense of like a strong cultural phenomenon that we are all excited about, um, to talk about for the podcast, you know, and, and the canonical example of which is a summer movie or something, something like that, or the, you know, series finale of The Shield to go, you know, just to take a deep album cut, uh, from the overthinking of podcast um, when there's nothing like that and no sort of topic that's, that's really in the news that we, that we want to jump on to, like the adulthood piece, uh, uh, last week or the week before last um we do a series of things and one of the things that we do is we look at the entertainment news sites and educate ourselves (laughs) as to what's going on in the pop culture world i'm not going to name any of these sites because i actually don't want our name associated with any of them but we uh we look at them uh we are not saints you know I found out that that, uh, George Clooney and his wife are showing off their wedding rings in Italy or some such. Um, And uh, so apparently we learned uh, from this, Pete informed us from one of these news sites, that Jason Derulo has released uh, a video directed at all the haters out there. They thought... What what a phenomenal accomplishment of Jason Derulo! (laughs) By the way, do you know how every Jason Derulo song starts? Jason How, Derulo. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks, it's Ooh, like, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like the beginning of every fourth grade homework assignment. It begins <laughs> with his name <laughs> printed in clear block capitals at the top of the page. So I, I
1: would even say it's more like a second grade homework <laughs> assignment because it starts with your name at the top and making your name at the top was a considerable share of the work of the assignment unless <laughs> okay. it's like done with considerable focus care and difficulty like you're sort of like tracing all the cursive letters i guess that's third grade right what what grade do people learn cursive anymore no
0: grade grade. any no grade anymore i actually asked balinky about this because he has a son uh who's about the age that we were when we all started to learn cursive and apparently like it's just not a thing uh where he is sending his son to school um
1: Do you still go through a growth spurt and stuff? Is like, does cursive set all that stuff off? Does it still function appropriately without cursive?
0: Yeah, actually, puberty puberty is delayed. It's actually the lack of cursive is responsible for Ao Scott's observations uh, on the death of on the death of adulthood. It's because nobody's writing cursive anymore. Yep. Um, so uh, Jason Derulo Is uh, Jason Derulo Is the haters He's the a back?
1: singer He's a singer guys In case you didn't know Who he is
0: Jason I Derulo
1: the, I feel like there's A non-trivial share Of our audience Who neither knows Nor cares Who Jason Derulo is And I feel like We need to let him know That he's a singer And a person who's Capable of dancing At like a fairly fast pace And he does a variety Of fairly popular Pop music songs Mostly oriented Towards dancing At a fast pace So there you go
0: <laughs> so, Sorry, he is, so he is dexterous and he knows his name
1: indeed <laughs> he might be sinister i don't really know although he appears to be holding his ex-girlfriend jordan sparks with his right hand in this picture in this news site that we said we would have mentioned that we're looking at right now
0: <laughs> <laughs> what you say he i mean there's a uh there's like the first time i was aware of jason derulo was he did a remix of an image in heap song um oh. called hide and seek uh and the song was called what you say and it just it repeated this hook from this Imogen. Uh, heap song uh, over and over. Um, and I think that was on, uh, I think it was on Gossip Girl, which is why I found out about it. It was used as as background music on Gossip you Girl. You can
1: read about the history of the Jason Derulo song in a musical Talmud I did on it a number of years ago, where I go into detail on the Image and Heap song, the cultural uses of the Image and Heap song, and why uh, JR and Beluga Heights would pick the Image and Heap song to remix for Jason Derulo at the time that it came out. Uh, most, as as most people might not remember, yes, it was the Imogen Heaps song, not the Jason Derulo remix that was featured in the OC episode. And then what happened was Saturday Night Live made a sketch based on the appearance in the OC episode, and it was about shooting people. And then the Virginia Tech Massacre happened and NBC pulled the video of the sketch from all of their places where they posted out their live sketches. So you couldn't find it because people were making their own parodies of it where children were shooting each other. And so they're like, no, this can't happen because there's a shooting thing and we have to pretend for three weeks like people don't shoot people. Um, and so, and this sort of like introduced it very powerfully into the public consciousness, then at once removed it from the public consciousness so that people remembered it, but the there was a sort of image and heap vacuum, right, where like people remembered it, but it wasn't being exploited adequately. And so Jason Derulo came in and just did just a phenomenal, just a phenomenal strong misreading of the and Heaps song. I really encourage <laughs> you. I, I love the line, uh, uh, I don't, what is it, the line, I don't want you to leave me though you caught me cheating is a great line in that song. <laughs> I really need you in my life, things ain't right. The, the main argument of the song, of Jason Derulo's song is, yes, I've been unfaithful to you, but just think about the future when I'll be professionally successful and will have a lot of possessions. Right? And that's like, uh, it's quite a, strong, quite a strong argument. I encourage people to check it out. But yeah, no, check out, the, uh, check out the, the musical Talmud, even though I've already summarized it for you. I do quite like that song, and I like the Imagine Heap song, and I like the Jason Derulo song, uh, which was why I was shocked, although perhaps not entirely shocked, that Jason Derulo would confront all his haters at once uh, in a message. Um, that would be talked about In gossip sites So anyway Matt I, I, I give it back to you To finish the explanation I, Of our you, lead Into today's topic Yeah but
0: this is like this. Is, you know You know you've been A blog for too long you know when you don't even <laughs> remember the things that you've covered, and I actually remember. I re- now that I'm looking at this article now, and we'll link it up in the show notes. Uh, and and uh, the article contains um, links to the YouTube YouTube videos for both the and Heap song called "Hide and Seek," which I think is a masterpiece, and Jason Derulo's "What You Say," which, if not a masterpiece, is at least a uh, uh, you know I don't know is at least a, w- worthy of attention. Um, like uh, and i remember this and i also remember like remember a phenomenally uh uh inept comment um that that took issue with your reading of the song in a way that just struck me as being un uh, uh, that just being kind of insensitive to the actual content of the song um like i had a deep set of reactions to this the uh um, so Let's uh, let's 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 talk about this. But first, we have to we, we, we have to sort of do a question of the week. Um, so question question of the week in honor of Jason Derulo and the haters. <laughs> We're
1: what? not even going to talk about his message to the haters and what it said. We're just no. going to say that it exists. It's a message to the haters and take comfort in the fact that Jason Derulo Gave a message to haters. <laughs> right. If you are a hater, you no doubt have received the message delivered by by post, by the Queen's Post, hand delivered to you by a gentleman in a nice uniform who has who has written down and checked the mark that he has served said hater the message from Jason Derulo. Uh-huh. So we don't need to tell you what the message actually says,
0: right? Um, the and and I'm not all that interested, but I am interested in the concept. Of haters. Uh, so so here's, here's our question this week. Um, if, uh, if we were going to get a new beverage to replace Haterade uh, for, <laughs> for all the haters to drink, uh, what beverage would you choose? And optionally, here's an optional uh, codicil uh, or addendum to the question. Uh, what would the beverage taste like that the, the haters drink? Um, let's, uh, l- let's go with Pete Fenzel just because he's first in the alphabet. Uh, I'm going to drink, Pete, while you answer
1: oh great uh so i feel like haterade as a beverage haterade as a phenomenon is this idea you that you are in a state of non-hatred and you drink the haterade and you become drawn in by its flavor right and, and you something of clearly there's something in your metabolism that is active with haterade so it's not entirely the the responsibility of the the aid itself right there's something in you that interacts with the haterade in such a way as is to produce hatred um uh, i think i would, I think I would like to see something that reflects some of the other aspects of this kind of reactivity uh this sub- whatever it is that's this sort of substrate that's in the human soul that when doused in Haterade blooms in fury uh and and i i think I think I would want to call it tr- right traumaade <laughs> and traumaade when you drank it it would show you flashbacks of whatever trauma was going to make you upset about whatever's happening now in your life so if, if you you could drink the Haterade and so clearly, so you, so in the situation is you have some sort of substrate in you that is bursting with some sort of desire to be upset, right? There's some sort of thing that you want to be upset about, or there's something that you're going to react to, and the haterade kind of uh, catalyzes it, catalyzes it in some way uh, that that you're able that you send you latch out and you and you you lash out at something because haterade it's implied in the name haterade that it's the same beverage that everybody drinks, right? So hate that can be directed to anybody, although it is strongly implied that it's sort of trivial hate that's related to like social factors and not like, you know, like, oh man, the KKK really drank the hater aid this week, right? No, it's more like the hater aid for, like, Jason Derulo and the haters and whatnot. Um, but if the hatred is universal, then I think that maybe there's some sort of pain or some sort of memory or some sort of thing that's going on with you that could also be universal, right? Or at least, like, it could diverse, it could spread outward as, you know, the sort of branches of a tree and the twigs at the end of the leaves of a tree and whatnot uh, in much the same way that the objects of hate are the subjects of hate my intent also extend backward to sort of infinite infinite perceived causes and i would love to see some trauma which people would drink and then they would see in front of their eyes whatever it was that was uh that was getting them upset about whatever it was they were about to be upset about what would, i want to see causes i want a beverage that gets people to feel their own personal causes as distinct from collective causes uh, as motives for action
0: Excellent, promenade. I like that because it's like promenade. You know what I mean. And it's so it it activates the kind of aspirational uh, quality that a lot of a lot of like popular beverage names have. Like I'm thinking of like Surge, you know, or like uh, Mountain Dew or Jolt, right? Like these uh, these sort of um, the, uh, these beverages that, that have uh, uh, instrumental benefits, right? Like you will surge or you will jolt or you will Mountain Dew. Do, uh, whatever what do you it is, do. yeah, whatever it is you want to Mountain Dew.
1: I have I have some bad news for you, Matt. What's that? Which is that Jolt Cola went out of business in 2009, mm. believe it or not. Uh, what is it? There was an agreement over buying resealable cans from uh, the Wrexham Public uh, Limited Company, uh, which is a multinational packaging company. So Jolt Cola had a dispute uh, with one of its packagers, uh, Wet Planet Beverages is the name of the company that makes Jolt Cola, and they were unable to do it, and they, they – uh, they they went bankrupt, but then the Emigrant Savings Bank acquired the Jolt assets and relaunched the business. So uh, I don't know is it is it still around? I guess what it's not available.
2: I, I don't know about Jolt Cola, but I don't know if you guys have heard. But Surge has just made a resurgence. <laughs> Can I say that? Yes, yeah, Surge has made a resurgence. Um, Coca Cola Company uh, debuted Surge in 1996. It was taken off the market in the early 2000s, and I believe a a Facebook campaign. Those sorts, you know, it's something went viral and uh, convinced the Coca-Cola company to bring Surge back in uh, in a limited edition run because um, that's really what we're all craving. Um, whatever it was, it's, I don't even remember what Surge tasted like, but I don't think it was good. Um, but uh, uh, there's some happy Coca-Cola uh, company employees wearing uh, a garish green shirts with, a, with an angry red Surge logo on it, and they seem very happy. To be drinking it, so that perhaps might be an opposite of data rate of Haterade, excuse me. Um, I, I feel be- like- it is better to drink Surge perhaps than to drink Haterade, not like than not to have drunk at all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel like that's information that can't really exist in the public eye and continue to be true, which is what is the degree of virality you need to achieve to get a beverage company to reproduce an out-of-print beverage, right? Like what, what is the minimum level that you have to get on <laughs> Facebook or on YouTube? Because then, if, it, if people knew that, they would do it all the time, right? So we would get – all we get uh, – oh, gosh, what has gone away? Bristol Pepsi. Oh, man.
0: Tab yeah. Cola. Mm.
1: Is Tab even gone? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I feel like some all these I feel like all these beverages are being made in in India or something yeah, and they um, don 't
0: uh, i don 't know yeah, I just remember my mother used to drink tab a lot when when oh, yeah. uh, when we were small and and it doesn 't seem to have uh, made a resurgence uh, that maybe there no. hasn 't been a campaign or if you will can pain so
1: as of two thousand and nine, tab is sold in the countries of the Southern African customs Union, Botswana, Lesotho, Namibia, South Africa, and Swaziland. In the United States, including the Virgin Islands, Spain, and Norway. So apparently you can still get it somewhere. Um, oh, they make an energy drink like a Red Bull competitor. That's what they do. Mm. Um, so, okay, interesting.
0: That's nice. Mark Lee, what, what, uh, what drink is going to replace Haterade uh, for the haters to drink?
2: So I was thinking about actually suggesting Surge before um, uh, you sort of stole my thunder. And, uh, and I mentioned that a second ago. So I'm going to go with my fallback. Um But it's along the same lines of, uh, you know, if you drink this thing, then you will not be a hater, right? I think there should be uh, less haters and less hating in the world. And so I was thinking of a wise man who once told me that um, war is not the answer and only love can conquer hate. Um, So I think everybody should just take a nice long swig of Marvin Gatorade (laughs) instead of Haterade. Uh huh. And, And then we'll really know what's going on. Yeah, and then we'll you know save the children and the ecology and all the other crazy things that he's saying about and what's going on.
0: It's uh-huh.
2: a great record, by the way. I highly yeah. Recommend that's why I, I want I want that record in a bottle for me to swig and drink. Produced over the objections
0: of Barry Gordy, uh, for for what it's worth. <laughs> I feel like um,
1: any good anti aid beverage would have to be <laughs> over the objections of Barry Gordy by some some for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um,
0: but yeah, my, you- so my my uh, beverage for for haterade is uh, it's called confi um c-o-n-f-e-e and it's uh it's a portmanteau (laughs) word of confidence and coffee it's a coffee that gives you confidence because it it takes a uh tremendous amount of confidence i think really to be a hater like really to put someone down you have to be extraordinarily secure in your own position and I, i i you know i don't know i find that like so many of my thoughts are are provisional that i have uh i have a hard time summoning up um the kind of uh the kind of confidence in my own position that i would need in order to truly be a hater so uh, i need some confi uh dense in order to you know what i
2: mean in order to really slather on the the hater tendencies on you know I, on the internet i mean matt I, I see we're going with that but um I mean, the first thought that came to mind was that, well, a lot of hating comes, stems from a lack of confidence, right? It is a defense – lashing out against something and criticizing it, usually unfairly, is a defense mechanism because you are actually uh, lacking in confidence in your own – a sense of self-worth or position or anything along those lines so
0: i really i actually want to talk about i want to talk about self-esteem you know and i want to talk about that, the that Offspring song from uh <laughs> from the 90s around the same time where we were drinking surge <laughs> uh if you like we can bring that up as well I, I i definitely think that that's that's sort of that's sort of at play here in the discourse. Uh, in the discourse around haters. But, uh, but before we get to that, uh, a couple announcements from the site. One, um, is that, so, uh, we, we went weekly with this podcast with episode 13. The podcast existed for some time before then, but it was irregularly produced with, uh, with episode 13. Um, we became weekly. Now, uh, I've always kind of ca- counted our anniversaries by, uh, taking thirteen plus fifty-two times whatever the number, it being a weekly podcast, fifty-two weeks in a year, right? My little proxy variable uh, was this. So if you take thirteen plus fifty-two times six, what you uh, what you arrive at, you know, keeping in mind uh, PEMDAS, the order of operations, right, um, is three hundred twenty-five. That is to say, last week's podcast. Uh, Marked the point at which the podcast finished its sixth year uh, of continuous weekly production uh, without a break or without ever missing a week. And so today we launch into the seventh year of the Overthinking It podcast This is year seven of this thing that we do together. I think that's astonishing. I realize, like, I'm the guy on the site who is always, like, pointing out these minor, these minor sort of milestones. I don't think this particular milestone is minor. Another year of the overthinking it, of the overthinking it podcast. And, like, we sort of have to, because God knows it's not coming to us in, in money or glory, right? The, uh, (laughs) the, um, you know, the, the, the accolades. I mean, is accolade uh, another beverage that you can? Well,
2: the, that you the good can news
1: drink? is, is if you've been listening to the Overthinking It podcast for seven years now, every episode is new to both you and us because none of us have any of the same atom, atoms in our body anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: that it's like a, It's a, a
2: ship of Theseus paradox. So. Yeah, exactly.
1: Because of the ship of Theseus paradox, we're just going to start rerunning the first episodes of
2: the podcast. <laughs> oscar shorts guys let's talk about those oscar nominated oh, okay. well that short was yeah films. that was
0: episode one and it wasn't even so much talking about uh the oscar shorts um as it was like recapping in excruciating detail uh the oscar shorts you know um Blinky and i got we, we went deep <laughs> you know we went deep on the on the oscar shorts in that one um I'm trying to look for. Uh, I'm trying to look for what episode thirteen was. Was that between platform nine and three quarters and Martin Luther King Boulevard?
2: Uh, I thought is, it was crossing sections off the map.
0: Was the that uh, was that one, and then and then the uh, Harry Potter theme title title was later. I don't know. You know, what? we'll look this up. We'll look this up. Was, as we go. The point is, seven
2: years, guys, folks, we gang. Should do a clip sh- we should do a clip show.
0: Overthinking. Oh, it. No, a clip show would be so much more effort to produce than actually just recording an original like episode. if we
1: just put together a show out of clips where each sentence is from a different episode, that would be pretty hilarious. If we just, like, strung them all together. But then we'd have to put some sort of bass beat behind it and encourage people to put on a black light in their room while they're listening to it. If,
0: yeah, except, and, that, except that Tom Bowers of Sons of Nothing already beat us to it yeah. by, you know, including uh, including clips of, of Pete and me talking in the podcast in, uh, in and a Sons of Nothing song, and a hardcore rock song,
2: um,
0: which was pretty awesome, right? We've done everything, guy. We're like the Simpsons, you know. It's like overthinking a podcast did it, overthinking a podcast did it, Jason Derulo overthinking it did it. Uh, it's all been overthought. What do you think when everything has been overthought? So that's number one. Happy, uh, happy sixth anniversary, and happy beginning of the seventh year. With the Overthinking It podcast. Well, well done, everybody. Uh, number two is that, uh, we are imminently starting, we're about to start the video game Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy 3 I'm given to understand I'll be told the difference, um, in the po- in the podcast, uh, sweep through the book club podcast. So our book club is going to focus on Final Fantasy VI. Uh, there's a post on the, it's still on the homepage of Overthinking It where you can get information about that. Um, and you should start playing now. I'm given, I, I'm, uh, actually not going to be on this particular one, but Ben Adams, who is, is leading it, and some of the overthinkers he's been planning it with, uh, ha- have given me to understand that, uh, that it takes a while to slog through. So you, you probably want to get underway now with whatever emulator, though I don't know what the heck that even is, or, um, I, you know, both because it's of its dubious legality and also because I don't know what the heck it even is, uh, or with, um, the iOS or Android, uh, official ports of the game, though, though I'm also given to understand that those might be compromised in some essential characteristics. Uh, so, uh, read the, uh, read the post on overthinking it and subscribe to the book club podcast for, uh, information about the final fantasy six overthinking at book club. And finally, um, you have missed the first the first overthinking it newsletter but you can get the second overthinking it newsletter <laughs> if you have not yet signed up for uh for the overthinking it newsletter um, our our new exclusive channel of Overthinking It delivered directly to your inbox. You'll find a uh, sign-up form in the show notes for this episode and on the homepage of Overthinking It. Uh, Pete did an excellent job with the first episode, which uh, talked about skeuomorphic charades, clues, and genres, though that's all I'm going to say, because it's exclusive overthinking only showing up in the inbox. If you don't get it, you're missing out on all of that overthinking, um, so uh, Pete, can you you want to you want to tease what's coming up for the second week of well, the overthinking newsletter? I will say that I'm newsletter?
1: really excited. There is a sm- there has been a small disagreement that's been popping up in the various feedback that I've been getting in response to the questions I posed in the first newsletter, and they are it is funny, and I, I we will incorporate it in some way. That is that is for certain, and I appreciate everybody who's been writing back with their ideas. Uh, I, I really wanted to feel. I want to be more like a letter, you know a letter for me to you guys and everybody kinda on the same page, part of the same club, you know place to place to kind of get a little bit deeper into stuff. Uh, And I'm looking forward to it because it's going well so far.
0: Excellent. Uh, Another way you can participate in the Overthinking It uh, email newsletter is by sending in links to newsletter at overthinkingit.com. We got one from Emil from Poland, which was included in the first uh, issue, the first edition of the Overthinking It newsletter. One of the things that the Overthinking It newsletter includes is links to – Discussions on overthinking it or posts on overthinking it that are recent, uh, or that are thematically related to a particular topic. Um, but we also, you know, we don't want it to be just siloed, right? The, the community of, of overthinkers is a voracious and syncretic transnational hipsterati of, uh, you know, of overthinking. And so we, we recognize, uh, that we don't necessarily condone you doing this. We recognize that sometimes you visit websites other than overthinking Uh, and if you find something that is worthy of attention of the global community of overthinkers we hope you'll send it to us at, at newsletter at overthinking so that we can include a link to it and uh make other articles part of the conversation things that you found particularly rich or evocative or compelling so uh those are your three announcements seventh anniversary final fantasy six and the overthinking it newsletter and now let's drink some of the let's drink some of the haterade
1: <laughs> uh, mm. So You're all uh, awful. I hate you all.
0: We don't know <laughs> what what Jason Derulo has said in the We don't know what what Jason Derulo said in his message to the haters. But I'm sure it Science wasn't...
1: can only speculate, Matt. Science can only speculate. <laughs> we have no we have no way of knowing what Jason Derulo said in his <laughs> publicly posted message to his
0: haters. <laughs> let me let me uh bastardize President Lincoln a little bit by saying the world will little note nor long remember. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what uh, what Jason Derulo said in his message to the haters um but to those who have given their last full measure of devotion to haterade um right i i i just want to posit that haters are only talked about in a negative light right it's never like i i don't know i su- i suppose like unless you're on 4chan or something like that right it's never like guys let's be haters right like let's be really disruptive let's be really you know uh, let's just vent our spleen and really not move the conversation forward at all. That would be great, wouldn't? Well, it be the great? way that
1: it's, it's mentioned is, is lulls, right? Let's do it for the lulls. Let's let's entertain ourselves. Let's 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 amuse ourselves, right? But it's it's not. It, the, it's described, I think, often by the people who are endeavoring upon it, uh, in terms of the of the ends that it produces rather than the means that it pursues.
0: Right. right. Sure. 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 Right. Exactly. And that and that um, but that I am I am often actually kind of sympathetic with the with people who want to do it for the lulls because the means that it pursues very often. I mean, well, often are reprehensible. I mean, you know, we have to sort of hang that banner out. Front, but like often have to do with like debunking sanctimony or things, things that you know often have sort of have aims or or at least um, you know uh, uh, an impetus that I'm kind of sympathetic to, I guess in my own particular anti-authoritarian bent. But um, but when when the specific term haters is invoked, it's 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 always negative. Like I don't care what the haters say or no haters allowed or only God can judge me or like,
2: you know what I mean? Haters going to hate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: um. Right. That, and that like that I am opposed to the haters and that I have to, I have to, uh, persevere in the face of the haters. Right. And, and I suppose it's, it's a strategy for kind of maintaining, right. Like maintaining ego integrity in the face of, um, uh, in the face of, like, the Twitterverse, right? In the face of, like, a so- so social media sphere where uh, unaccountable vitriol can be heaped upon you from all angles, um you know, and, and is disproportionately heaped upon, uh, people who are already socially marginalized, uh, by virtue of, of several kinds of otherness, uh, and often an intersection of othernesses, um, you know, like, uh, 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 misogyny or racism or what have you, um, right? Like the, it, it, uh, it's a necessary coping mechanism for facing down a world uh, in which anyone can say anything on Twitter. On on the other hand, I think it gets kind of – I think it gets kind of taken over um, in – in a way that that is uh, that is essentially a claim that I am immune to all criticism, and there is no no uh, no legitimacy to anyone who disagrees with me, right? And I think that's I think that that's taking it right. There's a too difference far.
2: between being a hater and being a I don't know a dissenter, huh?
0: Right? Yeah. Well, right? you know, Mark, dissenter's going to dissent.
2: I mean, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I would Obviously. say that 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 uh, in, in that Taking up that sort of... Uh, posture towards haters really makes you more like the haters because, at least in terms of, of internet hatred and the kind of hatred that we're, we're often talking about here, there, there is very little reasoning with it almost all the time. It has nothing to do, it's not really a discourse that's oriented towards having constructive conversations. A lot of the times the people are doing are literally so literally sociopaths, right, which of course we conveniently forget in attributing their motives to entire large groups of people. Um, but it's like, uh, you're by, by your own saying, I am not going to be affected by or engage with the thoughts or feelings of the person who is talking to me, that is the credo of the hater, right? Where it's like, I'm not going to let, I mean, other than to be like pleased by their displeasure, right? It's like, well, I'm not going to care what this person thinks or feels because I'm going and and that is a necessary condition to what I'm doing. So there's a degree to which identifying the haters as those who hate as sort of like an Adam-Naming-the-Animals act, right? Where it's like, you know, the birds gotta fly, the fish gotta swim, right? Like, I guess that's not Adam-Naming-the-Animals. <laughs> the,
2: hate. okay. the haters
1: are gonna hate, uh, right? Like, and, and the and gophers a, are yeah. gonna burrow in the ground. It's in their nature, right? Like, it can't be changed. Genesis the...
2: chapter 1,
0: verse 23. Right, yeah, yeah, and, and right, exactly. And and on the third day, God created the haters and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. <laughs>
1: Hey, what is this? Uh, what is this song "Can't Help Loving That Man of Mine"? Is yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, fish gotta swim,
0: gotta swim and birds, swim and gotta, gotta, birds fly. gotta fly. I gotta, I gotta hate one Twitter handle till I die. <laughs>
1: Can't help hating that hater of mine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so. This is, I mean, this is the like the canonical insight of postmodernism, right? Which is Derridean difference: Uh, the idea that by differing, you also defer by by calling out your by calling out someone and defining yourself in opposition to them, you are also incorporating uh, their identity into yourself and kind of deferring your own meaning. By differing, you defer your own meaning. Um, On to another signifier And that that is what I mean That's the kind of phenomenon that you're talking about When you're talking about um, uh, Becoming becoming the th- Becoming the hater you hate
1: yes 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 the idea that yeah by defining yeah that makes perfect sense defining and that you see that a lot i think also in the operations of specific specific sorts of axes of hatred right you know people who complain endlessly about you know hating that say kim kardashian is in the news are major contributors to why kim kardashian is in the news <laughs> sure. right uh, they click on the articles but they also stir up emotions around the articles they get people to watch right they, they, they basically see the uh they, they see the debate this is also why you can't answer actual questions in politics but that's a whole other thing. (laughs) it's like don't answer the question don't let the person asking the question dictate what you're going to say just say what you want to say right just say whatever you're going to say and disregard it um but yeah 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 totally the difference i you know what that was a great explanation of difference i don't think i've heard as good of a one uh in my memory so i will defer to your difference differentiation uh in that matter
0: um yeah, the the it's it's tough sometimes. I mean, actually like there are some like very good insights buried in Derrida and uh, it's sometimes hard to kind of pry them out with the crowbar. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's really good at teaching you how to deal with cops. Just say that it isn't a pipe and then you're good, right? Is that a Derrida joke? Uh-huh. Huh? No, yeah, nothing. <laughs> Who painted that painting? Actually, uh, it's not Derrida who painted it, but um, it's it's Derridian The Treachery of Images by Magritte is what I'm talking about. This and a pipe, which I can't talk about. But anyway. Not effectively, so okay, so so where does that leave us then so if we 're saying that in, in engaging with so okay, so you have a fire hose of, of undifferentiated hatred that is just streaming through all the well, Right. We
0: sort of have to talk about what we mean by by hatred, right like because i think I think that the, the Oh God! I, you know what? Like email Pete if you if you disagree with me, but don't oh, yeah, email you me. Too.
1: I love it. I love to read people disagreeing with Matt, uh, especially if you can do it in verse. I would appreciate it. I'll sing it to him. <laughs>
0: But like you know, I, don't email me. But um, but like I, I sometimes wonder. I, I sometimes wonder about what, what like uh, nasty crap on on Twitter encodes. You know what I mean? Because it's not you know, it's part of it is the anonymity, and people say all, all kinds of things, all kind of threatening uh, or offensive things that they wouldn't say uh, that they wouldn't say in person, or that they don't feel. You know they don't feel entitled to say in person. Probably shouldn't feel entitled to say online. Um, but but I think it's I, a lot of the time. Like uh, a lot of the time, I think it doesn't. It encodes something different than than straightforward straightforward hatred, right? Like then than the motives attributed um, uh, to them uh, ex post facto by uh, you know by the target um, of all the, the, of all the vitriol and, and their sympathizers, right? Because it's very easy to sympathize someone who is, who, with someone who is targeted with vitriol on the internet, because it's awful and no one should have to go through that. Um, but, but I, I also wanted, I, I also want to hold open the question of like, what is that really about? Is it just like, is it just an expression of the kind of larger, uh, the larger social forces of various kinds of, I mean, various, kinds of injustice and various kinds of uh you know various kinds of prejudice social uh, you know socially sanctioned prejudice or or socially um generated prejudice uh is it yeah or is it is it something else like what's really going on in that fire hose in that stream of of vitriol i i'm not sure we're ever going okay, to answer so, that but no, but i, I but i stomped right. i stomped on pete when when I did it, so i want to just give him okay. the opportunity well, but i'll defer
1: to it. I'll defer with deference to Mark because <laughs> he wants to get something in there.
2: Yeah, so you're right, Matt. I don't think we're ever going to fully understand what's behind that uh, fire hose of vitriol that, that is uh, Twitter and on the internet. Um, but I remember calling a, a piece that a journalist wrote um, about he was trying to basically track down the troll that was harassing him online. Um, I, I wish I remember uh, what publication this was. I think it was called Jay and Silent
1: Bob Strike Back the Movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well played Pete Uh, no but this is like I think someone was like a a journalist and uh, and and someone on Twitter started harassing him making threats against his family maybe even doing saying horrible like anti-semitic types of things and um, I don't remember the details of it but he managed to track down the actual individual who was sending these messages and was horrified to find that it was a maybe a teenage boy that he actually knew it was like the son of a friend of his. Um, who was sending these horrible things to him, and you know like sort of uh, as he knew him in real life, real life was not this just like throbbing beast like ball of hatred of of a human being, but it all I think it all boiled down to this was just a a teenage boy uh, lacking in restraint and just sort of seeking sensation of any sort right and, and the way to just that that tingle of a thrill. When um, that, that 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 you get by doing something dangerous or out of bounds, um, and that, that I think is what it all boiled down to, which is a really uh, um, uh, unsatisfying answer. That is right. just and, and, some and, weird innate thing to like poke things that are down and just get a response. Um, that's that's basically it.
0: Right, and and I remember saying all kinds of of terrible stuff when I was when I was a teenager. I just didn't have a global
2: platform. Global platform to do it. Are are you saying that a CompuServe chat form wasn't (laughs) quite global enough? Because that's where I was uh, uh, dishing out my (laughs) hate back in the day. Well,
1: as
0: we would all know, seven one three one one comma one seven two one baby, that was my CompuServe ID. You know, (laughs) sorry, Pete. I stomped you twice.
1: Okay. No, no, it's okay. Um, I'm not, you know no, what? Haters going to hate. Stomper's going <laughs> to stomp. <laughs> well, okay. So if everyone were drinking of the Tromenade, we would know – we would have see ourselves how this conversation has escalated in the discussion of hatred and, and – of hater and haters and whatnot. You know, haters and thinking about things that upset us tends to agitate us and arouse us and get us and make us predisposed to a greater degree of upsetment, right? It is reinforcing, it creates cycles, it ramps you up, gets you going. So we let's let's we can scale it back. We can reel it back a little bit and talk more about the kind of haters that Jason Derulo is kind of talking about. I mean, yeah, there are like you know, there's the funny things. Like, yes, I'm sure a lot of Jason Derulo, the people who engage with Jason Derulo on social media, are like crazy. But there's also a lot of very venal sort of of nastiness. Well, not, I don't want to say nastiness, just hatred, hate, hating, hating. I got, I get, gosh, it, it, the farther you depart from the term haters the harder it is to really capture the combination of kind of flippancy and sort of casualness, right? With And a and sort of like lack of regard for seriousness of subjects. It's harder right. to reconcile right. that with like this really intense negativity, right? Because like, haters really does kind of soften and trivialize the the act of opposition to something or the act of indictment of something or, the, or attempt to kind of intimidate or control. All these other words are, are more threatening than what a hater does. So to think about haters, like sort of like a more veno sort of hater. Like if you go – say with it, I went on um, – let's say let's Google – right now I'm going to Google Taylor Swift. I'm going to Google Taylor Swift. I'm going to go image search.
2: Taylor's going to hate, 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 hate. All right. Yeah, because she
1: says the haters are going to hate. And I'm going to look at the first picture and then I'm going to post to Twitter, oh my god, that green jacket on Taylor Swift makes her look like Kermit the Frog. Right, uh, there's just she's wearing a green coat in with lapels. It's a fine coat. She looks fine. But if I were to be like, oh my god, that makes her look like Hermit the Frog. That's like an, an innocuous thing in the sense that like Taylor Swift never met me. Uh, I've never met Taylor Swift. I really don't bear her any enmity at all. Uh, it, it, I don't really suppose in my saying of this thing that it ever would conceivably enter into her consciousness even in the slightest that this thing ever happened. Right, and I think maybe that's the biggest. Maybe that's the big gap that that really gets me because I. I do encounter this sometimes when, when – you encounter it sometimes when you are a, like a performer. Um, anyone who is sort of a small business person would also encounter this sort of thing through platforms like Yelp, right? Where like somebody just seems to want to say something mean. And part of why they might say it might have something to do with the fact that they never really think that you'll actually hear it or that it will actually affect you because you are an institution and they are not, right? So you know if I were to say it about Taylor Swift, oh, your jacket kind of is a Kermit the Frog kind of collar, kind of looks spilling. Like Kermit the Frog, right? Like she doesn't. But let's just say I hypothetically said that. Um, it seems reasonable to me to think that this could never get even reach her ears, right? How could she even see it? Um, and just as the sort of if I were to go to my dry cleaner, if I had a dry cleaner and my dry cleaner was really bad with my clothes and never listened when I told them that I had a problem, you know, like then why would I think that they would care if I posted a bad review for them on Yelp, right? Like why would I think that they would even understand or see it, right? Like um, do I really feel like Uh, in doing this thing that sort of oriented in a negative way towards them that it's actually going to land with them and create an emotional reaction with them. Now, of course you can step back and say, well, of course it's going to do these things. Like, let's let's look at what these people's perspectives are like. But in the moment, in the act, I can see why it would be easy to forget, right? Or easy to not care, right? Or, or what the, what is the difference, what is the asymmetry in the hater-hated relationship that makes the haters so small and so minor relative to the largeness of the person who has the luxury of saying that the haters are going to hate, right? Um, and, you know, and it gets to shake it off and such. Uh, there, there's a spread. There's a hater-hatey spread, which has to do with kind of institutional weight, um, the the one who's sort of being attacked, and, and the idea that you might be attacked more if you're perceived as a safe target. Uh, I mean, yes, there are also individual pl- individual plots of sort of character assassination and intimidation and harassment. All that stuff is real, uh, and it happens, and people do organize to destroy the lives of individual people that they know uh, or don't know. But if we step back from that and look at the more venal phenomena which still does exist you know the the more vicious side of it does not mean that the more you know the more like not necessarily meant to harm side of it you know it do, doesn't make it cease. that's actually you know what i've said a lot of stuff right now but maybe that's where i'll leave it like i feel like a lot of the discourse today because because haters drive clicks and haters drive traffic and haters get attention and give attention and hating haters by difference you know you know suckles off of that you know Utter of whatnot. I don't know. I, I, I regretted that that metaphor the moment I said it, but uh, but because all of this stuff sort of roots in haters, there I think that people will say, okay, you know this thing that you think is harmless. Here's an example of it being really really terrible. It's always terrible, right? And I feel like this sometimes mischaracterizes phenomena where a lot of the time when it's happening. There's the sense of harmlessness that is part of kind of the hegemonic discourse is sometimes part of what's happening and an important part of why it's happening or why people are doing it, right? Um, and it, it's sort of saying like, well, you're wrong. Well, it's it's not. It's bad. It's a fiction that you're thinking this, right? Like um, the, this – I'm just – I'm trying to drill into – Yeah, Pete, can, you, can you
0: unpack a little more what you mean when you say like the sense of harmlessness that is part of the hegemonic discourse?
1: Okay, so – So let's take again Taylor Swift because Uh she's shaking it off. She can shake it off because she's – got a lot of poise and she has handlers who could probably help her manage all this traffic that goes toward her uh, and all this other stuff
2: but let's also say Max Martin that will uh, write catchy tunes for her to allow her yeah, to take
1: <laughs> I mean I have a ton of respect for Taylor Swift as a businesswoman and as an artist uh, I certainly think that she's a formidable force in the entertainment industry uh, and not, not an uninnovative one for a variety of reasons however let's just say that a bunch of people are saying okay Taylor Swift's this big pop star you know by all accounts, beautiful, successful. Yeah, she has some some ex boyfriend things, right? And say that I want to like harp on Taylor Swift's ex boyfriends in a public forum, and I say like, okay, Taylor Swift's ex boyfriends, uh, she dates these guys, and then she writes songs about them because she then stops dating them, or they stop dating her. Like, what's the deal, right? Um, and then you can say, well, wait a minute, you know, you in saying this, let's let's aggregate all these acts. You're not saying it about jason derulo and all his ex-girlfriends you're you're sort of indicting taylor swift for all her ex-boyfriends and then this is sort of part and parcel of all this sort of greater trend of sexism and then you're like okay well you know look at this person who was ganged up on for sexist reasons by people on twitter and facebook and look at this person people on twitter you know like went to her house and like so thus by like saying that Taylor Swift and has had problems with ex-boyfriends, you know, you are part of this huge movement to stalk and murder people, right? Like, and then this is something, this is something that was particularly big around the naked picture thing where people were saying that anybody who was peripherally involved in the naked picture thing, even by so much as clicking on a link was equivalent to like raping the people involved. And, and it's, and yes, it gets clicks because you drink the hater aid and the hater aid gets clicks. Uh, The point is not to trivialize the trends or these sort of large conclusions, but if you really want to understand what's happening, like if if you care – because a lot of the times you don't care. Like a lot of times it's like, well, nobody really cares why so-and-so is – you know, why Pete uh, on overthinking it is saying that Taylor Swift looks like Kermit the Frog. Nobody cares why she – he might be saying that Taylor Swift has things with ex-boyfriends. Nobody cares why I'm saying what I'm saying. But if you're an overthinker right and you 're trying to subject this to a level of scrutiny it doesn't deserve, you might question like well, well what's going on? why is this happening? like why is it happening on an individual level? Is the subjective experience of it different from the aggregate experience of it like do we are we going to think that there's an ontology to this are there are there purposes at work or is it all kind of class warfare right like, um, like and you can look at this in all these different ways you could you can criticize this discourse like you could criticize any other discourse and I think that there is a form of of hater aid there is sort of a sort of like a form of haterade that may depend upon the person drinking the haterade to not really have all of that bad of a disposition towards the person that they're talking about. Uh, in fact, to even believe that what they're doing is harmless, right? Like, um, And maybe that's maybe that's part of the point of saying that it isn't harmless is to try to get them to stop doing it, right? It's like, well, you don't know that what you're doing is harmful, um, so therefore you should change your opinion of it and stop doing it. And it's like, um, I don't know if that's honest, you know, like I don't know if somebody who puts on Twitter that a particular celebrity is doing a celebrity thing. I don't know how much that actually hurts them. Like I don't. And I'm not willing to assume that it really hurts them a lot just because somebody says that it might. You know what I mean? Like like what if we if we are a little skeptical, if we're a little skeptical about the damage that all haters are doing all the time. And we and we we sort of step back and think like, you know, well, what's happening? What about the soft haters? Right. Like what about the haters, you know, uh, who who, you know, may like I mean, by all accounts, Kanye West seems to draw criticism to himself. Right is another example. I know I'm ranting, like, like to a great degree, but it's like Kanye West seems to be a guy who seems to enjoy people talking about him in both positive and negative ways. It is, it it would be unfathomable for me, to me, for me to think that, like, you know, Kanye West will talk about the haters and the people who want to bring him down and all the other stuff. But like, he really puts himself out there. You know, when you dress like that Final Fantasy villain in the crazy, like, uh, in the crazy, like, embroidered full length coat and tails, and you walk in
0: with the mask, with the Margiela mask on, right? You tell
1: people you're god you say that no one should have as much power as you you're provoking people right and that's good that's fine you're an artist like to provoke is part of the role of art in society right the role of art literature provoking people to thought and to feeling is something that we want to be able to do as artists and thinkers right so that's great so like i don't really believe that kanye west wants all the haters to actually stop I think he wants to sort of exist in opposition to some of the haters, and he wants some of the haters. I'm sure that there are actual like people who are trying to stalk Kanye West and his family that like law enforcement needs to be called on because he's sufficiently popular that that sort of thing would happen, right? Um, to sort of switch, you know, just for gender's sake, to say that it can happen to everybody. But um, but does that make sense? This idea that like that there is a sort of a great mass of venal venal haterate.
0: Okay. Like, the, har- well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Venal venal haterate is a good is a good way to put it. I mean, I think we have to distinguish between a number of I think we have to distinguish between a number of of phenomenon right because there 's like and we have to disaggregate these phenomena uh, across several axes um, of uh, you know what I mean of harm uh, we have to talk about like the the sort of target right of the hater aid we have to talk about the the kind of level of we have to talk about sort of the level of Oh, vitriol or sort of, you know what I mean? The, the sort of level of the claim made about the person from like, uh, Taylor Swift's coat makes her look like Kermit the frog, uh, all the way to like, I am going to come with my shotgun and kill your children, you know? Yeah. Right. Like we have to talk about, uh, the degree on, on another axis, the degree to which, um, uh, whatever contention is being contended by the, the hater, right. Conforms to, um, established patterns of, of cultural oppression based on, you know, various kinds of, uh, various kinds of, of, uh, structural disadvantage in society, right? Like, uh, you know um it's it would be one thing for me to hate on Rupert murdoch uh right, and it's another thing for me to hate on i don't know a random student at a middle school or something like that, you know what I mean a random boy or girl who is thirteen and an eighth grader right like and and I think you also have to talk about the level of like premeditation and and malice right like because there are you know and and you you gesture to this um. You know, when you started, uh, you gestured to this earlier, Pete, but the, like, there are these, uh, coordinated campaigns to, you know, ruin people's lives or sort of hound them out of, hound them out of a discourse, uh, through, you know, through threats or through, um, you know, various kinds of, of awful things. Uh, like I work in, in my day job is in technology and, and technology has a huge misogyny problem, right? Like it it's, it's, uh, awful and needs to be actively militated against. And like I would, I would. You know.
1: What you really mean, right, is that that there's a lot of sexism against men in technology, right? Because of the expectation that they treat women differently. That's what you mean, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, just, of course, <laughs> of course, that's what I mean.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I just had a stroke and was saying the opposite of what's true.
0: <laughs> I right. The, I, yeah, exactly. The opposite of what's actually. I also true,
1: apologize right? to people who have strokes. Having a stroke doesn't make you do that.
0: <laughs> Um, Yeah, well, right. And it's like, it's, it's something where it's something to the point where I actively feel like, like, for example, I'm active in a particular open source community. I'm active in the, in the Drupal, you know, content management system community. And, and that's a community that is very, um, that is very intentional about its, uh, about its intentions to be welcoming um, to people who are traditionally underrepresented in various kinds of, of technology fields. And, and inside of the community, we like, we sort of militate against even the kind of the slightest hint things, things that are probably okay uh, behavior wise or implication wise. We sort of militate against those things in order to kind of brand ourselves as a safe space um, for women, for people of different ethnicities, for people of different backgrounds who are, you know what I mean? Who might be subjected to, to, uh, to certain kinds of abuse in, in, other contexts or in the context of other um other you know technology related endeavors um you know so like so there is that you know what i mean there is that right and that is like both like it, are you try is the campaign organized are you trying to like hound a person out of a thing and uh and right, to what degree does it comport to established patterns of prejudice and oppression um already in in society? The trouble with that i mean is the trouble that I have with a lot of uh with a lot of the sort of calling out uh calling out individuals on on the grounds of of you know uh uh, comporting insufficiently with with progressive politics on the internet which is that you can't really lay a structural social problem at the feet of a particular individual you know and that's 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 a uh sort of an open an open question for me but like we're not we're not talking about that right like like it is sort of venal haterade probably to say that you know to say that uh kanye west looks like a final fantasy villain uh in his um
1: (laughs) which you'll learn more about if you do the final fantasy three final fantasy six book club you'll get to tell which final fantasy villains he looks like and perhaps which final fantasy heroes or perhaps which people on the side of the evil people in final fantasy three or six who might actually be good people uh he might be wearing the same coat oh
0: my god no spoilers (laughs) (laughs) No Kanye West-related spoilers for Final Fantasy.
1: No spoilers for the Kanye West mod to Final Fantasy VI, which makes Kanye West all the characters. Oh, man. Um, No, I don't think I even...
0: Sure, there is... But so there is, like, uh, there is a... Right, like, okay, so... uh, Racism, bad. Right. Like misogyny, bad. Right. Organized campaigns to ruin people's lives. Bad. Right. Attempts to hound people out of a discourse for daring to disagree. Bad. Yeah. Um, Yeah, But we're not talking about that necessarily except, right
1: except by identifying it and and through the difference we become obsessed with it sure right we we can't not talk about it yeah. despite the fact that we've tried all this whole podcast not to talk about
0: well it. there is i mean right yeah there is a god there is and and it's awful it's sort of awful to say to say to someone that they should shake it off right like because because there are people who are more apt to be victimized on the internet like women who write about video games for example right i and i don't want to say victimized because I don't want to I don't want to deny them uh, their agency. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sure, sure. Exactly. Like they're they're more of, likely yeah. to have the undifferentiated vitriol fire hose directed at them. Uh oh, yeah. you know for for daring to exist and do their jobs, right? For the the you know, the unpardonable sin of, you know, drawing breath and typing at their computer. Um you know, and and that um uh, that's not what we're, you know, that, that's sort of a different thing that we're talking about, right? Like, when you, when you talk about a, uh, the, when you talk about the, um, the kind of venal haterade, right? Uh, that, that, uh, right? And, and so there, there are these people who are, there are these people who are likely to be attacked on, on these grounds. And it's awful, right? That's a, that is a, uh, a, t- a terrible phenomenon. And I would not, Dare to suggest that any of these people should merely shake it off because that that imposes on them a uh, an unjust burden to um, you know what I mean to deal with the the uh, shortcomings of others and to you know deal with stuff that, that might be very difficult. But there is a level of a venal hatred, and in order not to be controlled by it, we probably should just ignore it, right? Pete, agree or disagree? We should just ignore well, the venal catering.
1: I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like uh, just, just ignoring it then sort of disengages from the conversation and, and, and sort of uh, makes it very one-sided. Um I feel like there might there are opportunities to engage with venal haterade. Uh, I feel I'm trying to think of good good reasons. Like, so
0: I'm gonna somebody- link up. I'm gonna link up an article in the show notes. Uh, it's called "The Troll Slayer." It's about a Cambridge classicist named Mary Beard. Uh, it's an article from the New Yorker, and I I. Uh, um, like, she became my hero when I read, when I read this article. And, uh, she is, she is a public intellectual in Britain. Um, she is an accomplished classicist. Uh, she is a woman. And so, you know, is obviously, cause you have to be, cause she dares to, you know, draw breath and, uh, talk about things she is an expert in. Um, she's a target of all kinds of hatred on the, uh, uh, on the internet. And, and like, uh, to a certain extent, she started, um, Reaching out to uh, people who said awful things about her online and like talking to them, like engaging them, engaging them in dialogue and and the the thing is, like uh, in this particular article, the, the ones that it covers like 201, they apologized right and like started a, a completely different kind of relationship with her when they realized that she was a person and not an in- institution and when she when she reached out and she really problematizes a word that I, a word that I hate, uh, but I 'm going to use it now. Anyway, she really problematizes the like um, this sort of narrative of maternal forgiveness, right? That this might suggest uh, in in this particular interview. I, everyone should 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 read this article if you're interested in in this. It's from the uh, September first, twenty fourteen issue of the New Yorker, and I'll put a link. Uh, right i 'll put a link in the show notes, so even the more virulent or the more um uh the less venal uh forms of of hate aid there actually i don 't know there might be sort of progress to be had in in engaging with it or engaging with its perpetrators individually um but but the tr- the trouble with it is that it's it there isn't there is no single node at which you can engage with it you you know what I mean.
1: There is a slippery node about how you can engage with it.
0: Yeah, what I mean, what I mean is like if if the fire hose is if if you're Taylor Swift, right? Like, which of the Kermit the Frog tweets do you respond to? You know, well, yeah, I mean,
2: There there is no single node, right? There's no one place. That's what I mean. Yeah, this, yeah. Right? It's just coming at you from every single direction, and so like Taylor Swift can't be this uh, um, a professor who was like you know composing careful uh, constructing making constructive dialogue with, um, you know, presumably a limited number of haters. Right. Right. Taylor Swift can't do that because there are literally a million of them out yeah. there. Like uh, a thousand of them just landed on her latest YouTube video like right now. Yeah. So
1: but the way that a company would handle this, right, is identify influencers and and sort of foster an overall opinion. But the difference is that, you know, a company has goals that are – You know, I mean, Taylor Swift also has goals, but like, do you have goals in your social media presence that are you know extrinsic to your existence on social media right are you trying to sell an album are you trying or are you in a situation where your sort of emotional well-being and or your sense of personal dignity are at stake which may not be things that you can kind of make a lot of other kinds of sacrifices for but you know if you if you were trying to sort of manage the public opinion of a brand you would identify influencers who are likely to change the opinion of people around them and and who are likely to spread or reinforce ideas uh that might be against you, and then you would, you know, engage with those influencers, figure out what they like, try to change their minds, boil the problem down to a more approachable number of people, and then hope by that to create sort of a positive outcome. But that's also like, that's again, stepping outside of the this idea of, of you know, personal subjective experience that loads into all this. It's all just so terribly inhuman to think about this sort of mass of emotions kind of crashing as waves against each other and not really being able to attribute to them, to any one person, just because of the size or scope of it. I mean, I, I would say that, like, we were talking about. Um, uh, gosh, we've talked about a lot of this podcast, but I was, I was just thinking that, like, you know, the history of any movement like this is a micro history right it's a history of of individual people who said individual things to individual people at specific times in very very large numbers right and it's it's there's a lot of people who get influenced there's a lot of people who say things to a lot of people but you know it's it's sort of metaphysically possible to to go down and find out for any one person you know where or how or why these things happened and kind of you know quote unquote big data right and not even not really actual big data but sort of nonsense big data that everybody talks about where it's just like there's lots of letters and numbers it, it challenges you I think to to continue to conceive of people as as individual beings with subjective experience and dignity and who's who, who matter right like do people matter I mean yes hater's going to hate but within each hater is a human being right and it's and is a human being gonna human being right you know like is that something we really do dispense with in in terms of making them entirely instrumental in this grand social narrative, right? Like, and it's like, you know, well, why, you know? And I well, like, yeah, the idea yeah,
0: that's, that's, that is, I mean, that's the thing that you identified at the beginning, right? Like when, yeah. when you sort of call out people for, for being haters, right? Like that, that is a person also, and they, they have an experience and like yeah. my, my, you know, my experience tells me that people who sort of return negativity have had negativity visited upon them, right? And like, you know, who's trying at a certain point, it's, it's trauma not all the way down. You know, and and where there is no kind of there is no original there is no kind of original locus of trauma. Right. There is no sort of original uh, original bad thing that you can sort of point at um, to say that, you know, uh, it all this this was the beginning of the this was the beginning of the problem. Like like I contra, mean, Contra Rousseau and Contra Genesis and Contra everyone else who do, who tries to do it. You know?
2: Yeah, I was I was gonna say like we mentioned the Book of Genesis earlier, so we could talk about even the apple. You know, well, for, I like, mean, for just to, to, to,
1: to get real. Um, You know, you could point to the the, the clearest example, right? And I can't believe I'm going to bring this up. The clearest example is you could say slavery, right? You could identify slavery as a huge locus and cause for a lot of the stuff that's happening in Cascade from it with regards to racialization since. Except by talking talking about it, you're talking about a phenomenon that encompasses hundreds of millions of people over hundreds of years, right? Like, so it it feels like a monolithic cause, but it's not really a monolithic cause. It's really like a giant thing, right? That that emerged. itself through a series of micro histories of individuals making decisions and talking to other people and that kind of thing so i mean it is more institutional and you can look at specific decisions that people made that had a lot of influence but even in that case i just i just don't want to sit here and be like there's no one thing that was so bad that it affected everything since and when be like well slavery idiot," and i'd be like excuse me hater like slavery is also a large complex of things and not an individual thing right and i don't know i just i'm just trying to look at it from more kind of like a personal existential kind of way i guess um i don't know well what what else what else what what other good can we find in it right like if we if we're looking to kind of redeem the hater somewhat you know and kind of say well what you know is the hater human too You know, well, what what is the hater maybe doing that we can maybe effort to understand? um, You know, as opposed to because I think I think that the word attack is a relevant one because we're not a lot of this is not just not just hating; it's attacking, and not even the not just the mortal hatred, even the venal hatred is takes the form of an attack a lot of the time, where you're assuming a relationship with this other person or this institution or whatever, where you're opposed to them and you're trying to foil their goals or you're trying to damage or hurt them in some way, Um, and you're you know you're you're you. You might think that your attack has no possibility of ever landing or causing any damage, right? Like, but you attack for the sake of attacking, right? Um... And I think I think that you know, asking, well, why do people attack for the sake of attacking? Who are the people who attack? Why does this one person attack? Like, what is the perspective of these but people? And
0: I, I think there's, a, I mean, I think there's also another question that is to say, uh, what is the aim that is served by convincing the attacker or other people about the attacker uh, that the attack is is extraordinarily harmful? Right? Is bad? You know, is more like the original is more like the original sin than it is like the the effect of a you know of an anterior trauma you know that that uh whose whose interest is being served when when uh you know when that's the case
1: that's exhausting and that's the that's when you run into the other problem the other big problem with with dealing with the hater aid, which is that it happens on the scale where human stamina uh really can't keep up you know what i mean like where you just you can't you can't hold all of it in yourself at once. You can't encompass the whole world. Like you can't drink the ocean, right? Like you want to you want to try to embrace all of these people and all of these causes and all of these situations. I mean, I guess you could sit down and you could write it down and revise it, but nobody's going to read that. It has to be communicated in gifs or gifs, or else it's not going to get across. But I guess you know. Again, I mean, again, you can't boil the ocean is such a stupid, terrible thing that people say um, in context where you're trying to sort of ignore things that matter. But in this case, it's like. Like, you know there's sort of like a my god it's full of stars moment when you're trying to consider you know think about when you're looking think about that think about the psychological effect when you're in it, the first time you were a kid and you were in a skyscraper if you haven't been in a skyscraper i recommend it. it's a lot of fun so you go up a skyscraper and you look down and you see all the little cars and you see all the little people and you first sort of recognize that there's there's sort of issue of scale and perception where they're, the, the way that you see the cars and the people isn't the same as the way you see people when they're close up right and this and this sort of realization of like, like wow all of those people have their own stories and that thought is kind of overwhelming and powerful right and just can think that we're exposed to that constantly now like we are constantly exposed to the view out of the skyscraper of all the little cars all of them with their individual stories right and like and how, what effect does that have on our own psychologies and our own more sort of comfortable I even say natural frame of reference for dealing with people in groups of, say, like up to 100, right? Like, you know, what, what does it mean if there's just a fatigue factor in dealing with groups of people that are that large and still thinking of them as people? So – but at the same time, if you believe in sort of the dignity and importance of people – you know, and, and as Jason Derulo no doubt did before he wrote his letter to the haters, uh, which shall be engraved in the wall of the Derulo Memorial, no doubt. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but like, how do you reconcile kind of a, a love for people and a respect for people uh, with the sort of hugeness of these issues and the sort of hugeness? And the, I mean the answer is like we hand all the power over to the tech people, right, and the policy people and the sort of institutional thinkers who aggregate and statusize, right? And like – and the human element there is just kind of lost, But, um, I mean, but you can't, you know, you can't empower, you know, arts to solve these problems either, but I don't know. It's It's it's,
0: fun. I mean, yeah, it's it's funny funny. that like, actually now, now we, we kind of begin to have a discussion about psychology, right. About individual psychologies, right. Like, because the, the, uh. Uh, you know, the difference between being a brand and being a person is that like with a person you have a psychology and the brand doesn't have a, you know, the brand has people working for it that don't sort of partake in the, in the sort of psychology of the brand, right? Like Coke doesn't feel bad. Uh, when I say that Coke is like, you know, uh, harmful swill and you should all never drink it again, you know, that, that, uh, that is not you know that's not like harmful that's not that you know there's no experience coke doesn't have an experience of my uh of my saying that or of encountering my saying of that uh in a way that's that's harmful but we're we're i mean i feel like we're uh we're sort of at the point of fatigue with this topic also sort of looking down uh from our skyscraper of overthinking at the um at the uh, down at the you know of the cars of all the issues that we might be talking about, so uh, I, you know as overthinking it, I say that with malice towards none, with charity for all. Uh, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive to finish the overthinking work we are in, to bind up the overthinking nation's wounds, to care for him or her who shall have borne the battle, uh, and for his widow or widower, and for his orphan, and to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among all overthinkers and with all other websites.
1: I wish Christopher Nolan movie is that from. That
0: sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs> Till then, you can visit us on overthinkgit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't,
2: doesn't deserve. deserve.